Jenny Turner with Lovejoy Real Estate. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Today we're here with our guest, David Coburn of Taft Appraisal, and we're gonna talk about appraisals in the real estate market. Thanks, Jenny, for having me. Uh, again, I'm David Coburn with uh, Taft Appraisal. We're a residential real estate appraisal firm in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Excellent. So tell me a little bit about what are you seeing in the appraisal market right now? I mean, on my side, I know appraisal turn times have gotten a little faster, and I feel like appraisers aren't quite as busy because the refinances are down. Is that is that a valid? That is extremely valid, yeah. The refinance market has basically disappeared at the right. moment. Um, Besides reverse mortgages, something like that, there's there's really uh, possibly a home equity line of credit. Right. Um, besides that, there's, there's really- And that's really... just because rates went up, right? Yes. That's why. Yeah. People, People that have bought homes recently or recently refinanced, uh, they're not gonna beat the rates they have right now. So. It's crazy. I mean, like I have 2.8 on a 10-1 arm. Like that's a, that's a good, yeah, you're not that's a good interest that, rate. Especially right now, yeah. Right. So that market has completely dried up. Got it. Yeah. So on the purchase side, are you seeing things turn around faster then? Do you have more capacity for that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, with less work, there's more time to get work done. So our turn times have been cut drastically, yeah. So when we're going through and looking at a house, I can price it, I can market it, I look at the comparables, we go through that. I feel like as an appraiser, you have a tighter or more strict set of guidelines of what you can use as a comparable. So like, if it's an A-frame house, you have to use A-frame, or if it's a tri-level, you have to use tri-level. Is that accurate, or have those things changed over the I mean, years? you don't have to do anything. It's okay. There's no specific formula. If there are no A-frame houses that you can compare your A-frame house to, you have to look at other unique properties that okay. may compare. It may give, uh, you know, the market may react to it similarly. Um, yeah, so so that's how we would do something like that. But besides that, we stick to a specific market if we can. You like, know. you mean geographic market, right, correct? Right. Okay. Um, especially uh, specifically in Portland here, um, okay. the the neighborhoods a lot of times drive the value. So we try to stay as close as possible. So we're comparing apples to apples in that regard, and then. You know, as Portland is, you could have a brand new house next to a 125-year-old house. So we want to compare, again, something as similar as we possibly can find. Um, sometimes that's tricky because, right. like right now, there's the inventory has gone up, but there's still not a lot of right. turnover. Yeah. So we don't have a deep well to draw from as far as data is concerned. So we just have to you know, use what's there. And are you going back three months, six months, 12 months? What are you generally going back? Um, again, we, we wanna keep it as, as close as possible. Yep. We do, if we are forced to go back in time, um, you know, more than a couple months, let's say. Okay. Uh, Typically, in a market like this, we'll apply a time adjustment so we can bring those older sales into kind of they more They can come up in value, value right? Because yeah. our market is still trending up. Yeah, I mean, that's not, uh, we'd rather have five sales that sold in the last month. But again, in a market like this, um, where there's not a lot of inventory and we don't have a lot of homogeneous neighborhoods right. where there's you know 50 sales of the same house in the last month. That just doesn't exist here. Right. We're not Phoenix or Las Vegas where they all look exactly the same. Right. Bethany, um, maybe Bethany does that. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, in an attached type project, yeah. something like that, or a condo, it's easier. But if you're talking about a single family detached house here, especially in Portland proper, it's it can get tricky. How about condition? Like, I. I've been told that FHA has gotten a little bit more liberal and, con and conventional has gotten a little bit more conservative and there's not a whole lot of difference now between FHA requirements for condition and, con and conventional. 
are you seeing like if I see if I show a house with like obviously the roof's really old or obviously they're dry rot or if there's something like that, what what are there differences between conventional and FHA that we should be aware of? Uh, there are. Um, it's not as great as it used to be anymore. FHA has always had um, very stringent guidelines that you had to follow. Right. Those have been reduced greatly. Um, you know, there's some specific things that you have to do for FHA as opposed to conventional, but more or less appraisers are looking for safety, soundness, and security issues. Okay. Um, if it's so, if like you said, if if we see a roof that looks like it's nearing the end of its economic life, yep. at the very least, we'll ask for a roof certificate from a licensed contractor stating that this roof is sound for the next three years. Got it. Otherwise, you know. Right, we might end up replacing a roof. Yeah, yeah. You, you know how that works. We do know. How, yeah. <laughs> often, I really want the appraiser like, please don't look at the roof. Please just just keep keep come on inside. Yeah, I mean, it has to be fairly obvious. Yep. We're not inspectors. Um, we shouldn't pretend to be. Uh, that's not our job when we're there at the right. house. If it's if it's something that is obvious or borderline, yes, we could call it out and and maybe ask for a professional to take a look at it if there's some concern there. But you know, we're not redesigning houses. Right. Yeah. How about rot? I mean, that's always kind of been a hot button. Like if you see this, like I just sold a house in Canby and there was visible dry rot. Like you pull up and you're like, oh, all that trim around the garage is rotted. Oh, that trim on the door is rotted. Is that something that likely would get called out in appraisal? I would call it out. Yeah. That's, a, that's an obvious soundness issue. It got called out. I was yeah. just curious. Yeah. But Good I knew job. and I asked for it, right? But <laughs> yeah. like, but that's, and that's, is that, and that's conventional or FHA? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, if it's obvious, if it's something like that, it, it has to basically meet average condition, which in the appraisal world is C4. If right. it's below that, a bank's going to bulk at that. So typically when we run into those situations, we... We'll call it C4, average condition, and then um, make the report what's called subject to different repairs or um, inspections being done. Yes. Yeah, so that, that's how we would That's what happened. We got, but we got it fixed. It all, it all worked out. You know. And some, it's just nice to know that stuff up front, right? Because sometimes, on, on my side, we don't get the appraisal back a whole lot before closing. So if I have repairs and I don't know about it ahead of time, it can kind of throw a wrench to our timing right. issues. Yeah. And in this case, like it slowed us down a couple of days because the contractor was a little slow getting it repaired, and then the appraiser had to go back out and look at it. And so there's just some timing in there that doesn't always work. Right, and that's why it's it's good for some representative of the sale to be there because if something like that is spotted, right. we can relay that to you and say, uh, you can this relay is, it verbally this is going to be an issue. You might want to line something up. I'll, you know, I'll let you know. Or what I run into quite a bit, which is unfortunate, is water heater straps and carbon monoxide detectors, which everybody should just... Did you know, I just learned a new thing. Did you know that water heater strap requirements is a county by county um, requirement? The type or whether it, it needs to be, well, yeah. I have no idea. I'm selling a house in Umatilla County. Don't even ask me why I'm selling a house in Umatilla County. But I called out that the water heater needed to be strapped. And the, the agent who's great and who knows I'm not, like, I don't know Umatilla County. Right. He's like, um, not in Umatilla County, Jimmy. And he, like, sends me all this documentation, which I didn't know that. Yeah. It's um, good to know. <laughs> I don't work in Umatilla County, so I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> really, I don't either. Yeah. It's a favor, right? But, but so water heater has to be double strapped. Mm-hmm. Carbon monoxide detectors have to be installed. Yeah. And the smoke as well, right? Do you look for smoke as yeah, well? Yeah. But it seems that banks are the most jumpy about those two things. Oh, interesting. They don't care as much about the smoke. 
Yeah, in our engagement letter, quite a quite a bit. It'll say if if these two issues are you know if those haven't been met, let us know immediately yeah. and make it. And it is. A, I mean, you know, like you often do appraisals and they're not done yet, right? Like. We address it in the contract. We now say it has to be done with an X amount of days of mutual acceptance, but it hardly ever is done. So, yeah, when it's, it's not done, which is unfortunate because, yeah. like you said, it holds everything up, and it's a very simple thing to right. do. Right. So, a seller getting ready to go on the market could be proactive around those things and make sure their water heater stuff is trapped, make sure their carbon monoxide and smoke are are updated. Um, anything else you can think of that a seller could do proactively to make sure? I guess they could do kind of a rot evaluation visually of like boards or siding or trim. Right. You don't want to hide anything. You right. know, you have to disclose if there is an issue. But if you do see something that could be an issue in the transaction, just yeah, be proactive and take care of it. It doesn't have to. Like I always say, uh, it doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to meet the specific criteria that we need it to yep. meet. You know, the deck doesn't have to be the finished product necessarily, but we need railings. Right. You know, just give me some railings. Right. That's a safety issue. Yep. Um, things like that. Yeah, just get out ahead of potential issues. So a few of those things. How about peeling paint? Is that in the same category? It depends on the paint. I mean, if it's a 125-year-old okay. house, that may be an issue because okay. of lead-based paint. Okay. So um, it's not the wood showing of the peeling paint that you have a, that you have a concern with as that, much that as that could also be a soundness issue. I mean, okay. it, it just depends on the situation. Got if, it. if the wood is sound, but it, it could create it could a open, soundness. Yeah, it could open that door. So it would fall under the general condition category, but it may not halt the the appraisal. Got it. Yeah. You mentioned beautiful, and one of the things that I've told my clients over the years, and I'm curious to think to know if you agree or don't agree, or if the market's changed. Buyers will pay a premium for pretty. They will pay a premium for quartz counters and beautiful stainless steel appliances and everything dialed in. They'll pay a premium if it's a mid-century modern over a rant. Like, there's things like that. I always tell my clients all right, that I, my perception is appraisers don't care as much about pretty. You care about price per square foot, bedroom, bathroom count. But I've seen more appraisals come in low when that buyer like got crazy because it just was so pretty. Any valid validity in that, or do you think that appraisers are giving more credit than I'm that I'm giving them for the pretty part? Well, I mean, pretty is an attribute of a property. So yeah. if if you have a beautiful property, you would want to compare it to other beautiful properties because we're reading the market. Okay. So it's not just the cost approach, right? Which is how much would it cost to build this house? Right. Um, depending on the amenities in the houses, they may cost the same, but this one is much prettier just because of the design and mm -hmm. the people that live there may have decorated it beautifully, yeah. whatever. Stuff the buyer doesn't even get, but they perceive value around right. it, right? But yeah. that is a specific, um, you know, it's, it's a specific thing that the market is looking for and they're willing to pay more for it. Now you may be able to look at just, you know, a mid-century modern versus a typical ranch house. And you could do uh, an apples to oranges comparison and see what the market pays differently for those two things. Right. And so if there aren't a ton of mid-century moderns, you can now apply that you to could do some the mathematical ranch. Right. Because if the market isn't paying the same for both, you have to consider that. You have to yep. consider why. Um, it's not... See, that's a little bit different than it was last summer where people were just throwing handfuls of cash and in the sales agreements saying, I'll go 100 over the appraised value. Yep. If it, so it, that was just desperation for a house. Yep. Um, this, is a, this is a little bit different. Yep. Yeah. As an appraiser, when you see that in that contract, buyer waves appraisal contingency, buyer to cover 50,000, 100,000, make any difference to you as an appraiser? I mean, you notice it. We, we do read the contracts in full, um, but at the same time, 
that shouldn't sway our perception of what that house is worth. Your uh, perception's really based on the math of the data we, that we, goes into we it. We look at the sales, and yep. yeah, and and we we look at it that way. The sales price doesn't push us to where our opinion ends. We see that that's your opinion right. of, of the value right. of the house, and we're not necessarily justifying that number. We're just saying, okay, let's let's see what the market what would pay there? for this. A lot of times, I come in low. You know, there, there's some money was left on yep. the table. Um, I think. That may be strategy where, again, last summer, you could list something low knowing that you're just going to get 25 I was offers. making myself more money, right? Right. Now people are still holding on to that strategy, and it's biting them a little bit. And it's a hard balance, right? Because if you're truly pricing it low, it won't bite you. It's just your perception of what it should go for might not be right, right? Right. And so it's, it is a balance. Um, I was talking to a client yesterday and some of my team members and saying like, all of my sellers are mad right now. They're all pissed off because they're not being, the cash is not being thrown at them. The world, like things are selling, things are moving, but things are taking longer, right? Like things are on the market. 30 days, 60 days, 45 yeah. days. Equilibrium is starting to tip it, yep. back. And, and I yeah. like this market. Like, I love it for my buyers, right? Yeah. Like, I love knowing I can write an offer, not have to give away the farm, and be able to, like, you know, keep that appraisal contingency you can kick in there. some tires. You, you can't, yeah. yeah. And they can think about it, right? They can, mm. like, sleep on it if they want to. They can show their mom. They can, they can do that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I'm still seeing some offers go crazy, right? Like, some houses go crazy. So it is very market-specific, I think. Which... Properties, do you see that happening? We just had one that closed yesterday, Mount Tabor. Um, flip, beautiful construction, really nice high-end flip. Listed at 1.25. My range market-wise was 1.2 to 1.25. So I would have put it on at 1.2. My sellers wanted to put it on at 1.25. Totally fine. We're pending we were pending, and just closed at 1.35. Okay. Multiple offers, two multiple offers. So what do you think drove that value? Pretty. Just and quality, pretty. right? Like and good location, you could quality, walk to the park. Walk to Tabor, great yeah. neighborhood, very grand, like luxurious house. Which side of Tabor is it on? East or west? Uh, north. Okay. 68th. Okay. So just north of Tabor. Okay. Like I, had to, I had to think about that. So I mean like that, that I also probably got a little lucky in the sense that it was the right buyer for the right house, right? right? Yeah. And I didn't just have one offer. I, I, I had two, oh, right? Well, that's so the words we well. say matter yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting because other things are just much quieter and sitting a little bit longer. That's why I always say it only takes one to say yes. And now, yeah. you know, now we have that high-end comp in the neighborhood. <laughs> well, that, right? So that's probably made your job easier this year than last year in the sense that some of those houses have have sold at the higher price and so the, the market is a little bit easier that way. A little bit, a yeah. little bit. But we typically don't go back a year unless, you know, with the specific property you were just speaking about, that we may have to open up the parameters a little bit because it's probably, you know, it's just a, what, when was it built? 1912. There you go. I yeah. mean, so a, a recently flipped 1912 house in that neighborhood. Yeah. It may be tough to find. Exactly. And know. it was gutted. like So it was like new wiring, new plumbing, new everything. And so it gives it a little bit harder. Right. We would consider that a C2 condition. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's what it goes through, right? Yeah. So how about below grade square footage? And not necessarily, like this house had a full basement, so that's one example I know. But how about daylight basements or things? Like I sold a house up in the West Hills that was kind of a funky floor plan in the sense that it kind of had a bunch of layers, but three of those layers were below grade. 
or do you as an appraiser give less value to proper to the square footage below grade or how does that work in that math? It, it just depends on the style of house, the neighborhood, okay. things like that. Um, was was this on stilts? That one was not. No. But, but does that similar, matter to you? Well, not necessarily. Well, we would need other houses on stilts because ah. banks seem to freak out about that too. Okay. Especially if they're not accustomed to seeing something like that. They, they want to see that other people are in, indeed buying Interesting. Like we that. have a lot of houses on stilts, so tons, that yeah. part shouldn't be hard. It's but not difficult, but if you don't but have But they want to have that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a very specific uh, home that they need to see some other sales of Got it. that specific uh, style of foundation. But you wouldn't say that it's worth less because it's on stilts. No. They just want to see other sales of homes on stilts. They just want to, yeah, proof that other homes do exist uh, that uh, actually are purchased yep. uh, in the area. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, to answer your question, it, it depends on the house. So that one, we might consider what's called a reverse floor plan. So typically you walk in and there's, you know, the kitchen, living room, all that stuff, and then you go up. Right. This, it's just the same, but you go down. Got I'm it. assuming. Yeah. So, um, you know, that is just a functional thing. So it's just If it lives taking, well and is useful and makes sense. Yeah. Like our Hodora house is a, is a reverse floor plan because it's bedrooms, like it's garage, then bedrooms, then living. On the top that, floor because of the views. Well, that's true because but it's built into yeah. a hillside. Yep, I'm not below grade, really. I mean, yeah. I, not really. Not not in any of the living areas. Yes. Just the garage. Just the garage. And that really, you know, that doesn't really matter. It, you'd still be given the same value for a garage as you would above or below grade. But if it's a traditional house, old house with a basement, how about finished versus not finished? I, that is a condition and quality okay. issue. So it, it that would adjust at a different price per square foot, especially for the main level. Got it. Um, the market just doesn't pay the same for traditional below grade. Yep. You know, not the daylight walkout type thing. That That's a, that accepts. can have a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking like basement. Got it. You know, um, that's. And again, depending on the house, like the, the old house you were speaking about, some of those don't have much clearance down there. Yeah. So even if it's finished beautifully, you're, right. you know, you're walking around like that. So how much is that truly that worth? <laughs> but <laughs> my top either. clients do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me either. But um, so even, you know, even yep. if it's, it's the most high-end uh, amenities you could have uh, built into that basement, it's still functionally not nearly the same as the above grade, so. So talk to me about permits, because that's kind of where we're going on this too, right? How much do you as an appraiser care that those recent remodels were done with permits? Do you care at all? If it's very recent, we, we keep our eyes open. There, okay. you know, there should be um, permits pulled, especially like the house that you um, were speaking yeah, about. Yeah, and that was all, all fully permitted. So right. you would actually, would you go to Portland Maps and look and check that? Yeah, if, if all the plumbing and electric had been redone, yep. that could be a safety issue if it right. wasn't done correctly. And soundness and basically all of the above. So yeah, we wanna make sure that it's it's been looked at and everything's been done properly. But that being said, when we're looking at a house that may be 100 years old and you know that it wasn't built with a bathroom and you know that that addition wasn't yep. there, um, but the permitting process was completely different and there's no way to find it out. So as long as those um, additions or remodeling uh, situations were done in a workmanlike manner yep. and it's basically consistent with the quality and condition of the rest of the home, we, then you don't care as much. We're okay with that. Yeah, yep. It's interesting because as the market was crazy, Buyers stopped caring about permits, right? 
Yeah. And now we're Rating, in a market. Uh, inspections. Yeah. And, yep. and just taking it. as is. Mm -hmm. And now we're into, like, I have another property listed right now that's a flip that the seller did some stuff that without permits that, he, that should have had permits, in right. my opinion. What, right. what do I know? But I, in my opinion, they did. Better safe than sorry. Uh huh. Um, and we're getting some pushback from buyers. Mm -hmm. on that. Whereas honestly, a year ago or six months ago, I never would have got pushback right. from buyers on that. Yeah. Um, and so it is interesting as it changes a little bit, but I wondered from a financing appraisal perspective, um, and where we really see that a lot, but you answered it, is like remodeled garages, like living spaces and garages, but that's been done a zillion years ago, or that addition that was put on way before the seller is selling it, right? right? Like, yeah, that, I mean, there's only so much you can ask for uh, yeah. before you're unreasonable. You know, if an addition was done in 1937, what right. are you going to do? Is it still there? Yeah. Is it standing? <laughs> Is it? Okay, we're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. How about like inside condition, like furnace working, water on, that kind of stuff? You need it. Do you test that stuff? Do you only test that for FHA loans? Um, yeah, FHA, we, ha we have to let, we just actually had one where um, a house, a two-story house, uh, I think it was over 2,000 square feet, was solely heated by a wood stove because the furnace mm. broke and they needed the refi to, you know, it was, it's the whole thing, but it has to meet a certain condition yep. in order for the bank to lend on it. So it's this sad catch-22 where, you know. That wood stove wasn't good enough, right? It was not good enough. Yep. So, and in that case, like I said, you don't need to put in a brand new furnace to replace the one that broke. If you could just put cadet heaters in a few strategic places, that will satisfy the appraiser and the bank. Yep. Um, it, you just need a primary heat source that isn't a pellet stove, right. basically. Right. And it has to be like, actually, like, it can't be like space heaters, right? It has to be something that's installed. It has to be installed. Yeah. yeah. I ran into that once where they had a, it was really nice, but it was basically a space heater that they'd bound to the wall. Yeah. And that, that came up in our appraisal. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, and it, again, it depends on the house. If it's a cabin or something like that, and all of the heat sources in the entire area are just the big fireplace in the middle of the room, then that's acceptable. It's market accepted, exactly. and therefore it's okay. And you're yeah. not going to do an FHA loan on that. Right. <laughs> but you're back to really the answer for a lot of things in your world is what else is sold? Is this normal in the is market? Is it market accepted? Yep. That's, you know, unless it's a safety, soundness, and security issue, that we can't overlook. But if, if it's market accepted, if we're looking at a Victorian house and there aren't built-in closets, yet, you know, new construction, the market demands built-in right. closets. So you can let one slide just because the market accepts that they're going to buy a wardrobe and put it, it in, the, in the corner yep. because that's the style of the house. Um, whereas new construction, that wouldn't fly. So, yeah. so what happens to us a lot is our sellers say we just got an appraisal. We just refinanced six months ago and the appraiser told us it was worth $750. And I'm like, well, it's really worth $650. Do you see a difference there? Like, is there a difference in if you're doing something for a refinance? There shouldn't be. Okay. There shouldn't be a difference. I always say they're a little bit more liberal on the refinances because the banks don't care as much. You're looking at the same comparables. Same data. Yeah, yeah. It, shouldn't, it shouldn't move the needle at all. The motivation is not, you know, you do look at the motivation of, you know, what is the purpose of this transaction or the refi or whatever the case. But you're still just letting them know what the house is worth right. on this day. Based on that data right there. Yeah. What happens, you know, the house sells for 750 but the data doesn't support it. Do you like? Do you reach out to the agent? And say, is there more? Is it helpful for you to know that I had fifteen offers? What kind of information? How can we as agents help help you if we're worried about it not appraising? 
I, I'm always happy to talk to agents and um, happy to take the comparables they use uh, to determine the, the asking price or whatever the case yep. might be. Any information I'm happy to have. Um, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't, we're not trying to close the deal for you. So if it do, if it doesn't appraise, it just doesn't appraise. Right. So and, and you're supposed to be neutral, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. I mean, we're not trying to. We're not. We're not swayed either way. We're unbiased completely. That's how we're supposed to look at it. Yep. Um, so if we think it's worth six hundred, it's worth. That's what it's worth. And here is the supporting information that we're basing that on. Yep. Um, and if. I did run into that, especially last year, where you know people were, like I said, throwing handfuls of cash at yep. houses, um, where they just it was unjustifiable. So yep. the, the, the data that sold out, didn't, yeah, didn't the, support it. There's nothing I could point to that says, see, yep. it, it will sell for this. Yep. So every time you set that high watermark, you're almost having to bring cash to close because yep. there's there's no um, information to support that number. It was interesting to me, or it is interesting to me, that sometimes the houses that I think will close, no, will appraise no problem don't. And then other ones, I'm like, how did they find something for this? Yeah. But I do think, like, you guys have to be much more specific, right? Like, buyers don't say to us, we're only looking for X. Buyers are comparing it against a whole lot of other things. So my definition of comparables, I think, is often broader than what you as an appraiser can do. I can also choose to ignore ones I don't like. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 we have to count the one down the street, right? Yeah. Like, it's right there. It's just the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for all appraisers, but I'll create my search parameters, so whatever the area is, and then I'll give windows of size and your build and things like, you know, attributes yep. like that. And then I, I don't choose what comes up. I look at every single one, right. and I get that range. And then we also have a report, um, uh, it's called the 1004MC, the Market Condition Report, okay. um, that we take all of that information and basically break down uh, what's been happening in the last three months, four to six and seven to 12. So it'll show what the price market's been doing. Price is going up, price is going down, price is staying yeah, flat, that kind of thing? Yeah, okay. the high sale, the low sale, high list, low list. So you get the full picture. Um, where we may only choose a handful of those comparables that are most closely uh, related to the subject. Yep. But yeah, it's we look at the entire picture. What is something like, what's a weird thing you've had to appraise? Have you appraised like a weird property or a unique quirky property? Or? I mean, there's lots of weird stuff, but it can only be so weird. I know, it's hard you know, for it, you. It has to be livable. It has, you know, it has to be market accepted. Um, I've been in some houses where... Um, like one stands out specifically where every, everything was pink. The appliances, <laughs> the carpeting, the floor, the ceiling, everything, Danielle, the washer, dryer, toilet. I'm Danielle and my marketing everything. team would love that house. Like pink is her color. Like 70s pink. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was a lot to take in. And you yep. think, okay, it's going to be a different theme when you go into, <laughs> no, the, no whole the whole entire house, house from top to bottom was pink. Yeah. Okay. So that was a bit interesting. Did that affect to, your value? It was, it's, it's almost a little bit yeah. because it excluded a ton of the market um, or you basically had to accept the fact that, you know, the whole thing's got to be painted, all the appliances yeah. and, and plumbing fixtures have to be uh, replaced, Countertop, countertops. Pink? Yeah. Interesting. Everything. We, I mean, Tile. when clients say to me, you know, my house is special or it's unique or it's quirky, I'm always like, oh, in real estate, that's going to be bad. Because we want to broaden and like 
almost like neutralize the market, right? Right. The really specific decisions are great for you living. Like obviously that person loved pink, but you are going to exclude other people in the market who don't love pink. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. That's a great house. It, it was pretty cool, <laughs> but you know, it's, yeah, you know, you can only appreciate it to a certain yeah, point. Yeah, you need to have like some specific data to support it. Well, yeah, but it's still, it, that's a good situation where, all right, let's look at the bedroom count, the, the total square footage, and then let's kind of figure out a cost to cure. I was going to say, yep. These you, issues. Uh-huh. So even if it's a, a, a house that's in kind of poor condition, not poor, but you know, maybe a little bit more rundown condition because this house was beautifully maintained. Got it. Um, but still, regardless, everything had to be swapped out. So even yep. if it's beat up or if it's beautiful but not market accepted, yep. it has to be swapped out. So you can kind of do a paired sales analysis to figure out what the market will pay for that and then apply it to And a that house. would work for especially for a refinance, but if it was a purchase, the lender might want those things replaced. Not on the pink house, but on a condition part, they might, right? Condition, yes. We had a transaction in North Portland about a year ago, probably now, and one of my team members sold the house, so I didn't see it. Obviously, the house should not have been sold financeable. Like, the house had so much wrong with it, and but I, did, I wasn't aware up front that this was the situation. We got the appraisal back with, like, I bet there were 45 things. Wow. Subject to Overachiever. It was a lot. Now, yeah. to be fair, it's pretty amazing that we got it done and we closed. The oh, seller oh, that closed. It closed. The seller w- really liked the buyer. The entire house. The, we had to basically like the seller hired most of it being done. The buyer paid for some of it, mm. and we just hired contractors and we're like, okay, like line item by line item, and then the appraiser came back out, and we were a little worried because like it's still, it's not always pretty. We fixed the problems, but it wasn't completely pretty. And was the appraiser going to be okay with that list of subject twos? And they signed off on it. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're addressed, yep. you have to be you have to be reasonable at some point. I yep. mean, the forty five condition a lot. lists, yeah. But um, yeah, you, you have to be reasonable in situations like that. Like I said, if it's just some two by fours. Uh, for a railing, yeah, it's not pretty. That's not the way it's going to stay. Right, but it can't, but it meets can't the criteria. Walk through it, so yep. that works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I was talking to a client a couple nights ago, and she put up a really cool pole barn house. I'm, it's a pole barn that I don't know. It's very unique. It's super cool, and um, she's working on getting it refinanced. And so we were talking about what required, and she has a bunch of sliding glass doors because at some point she's gonna have a beautiful deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to do the deck yet. I'm like, just put some two by fours across those doors, yeah. make it so it's safe. Nobody can like walk out the door and fall. I said that should meet the criteria. I, yeah. And at I, some point she'll put a deck in, but she can't afford it right now and doesn't want to choose right, to do it right now. Right. And and yeah, I give people that uh, that bit of advice as well. You don't have to build the deck. Don't get crazy. Go get a piece of four by eight lattice. Mm, that's a good idea just too. Put that up on the outside so yep. no one can walk. You put one up on the inside. Let's you know really make sure a kid can't right. take a walk out the second floor uh, story <laughs> sliding door. But you know it doesn't. But as have long as to it's be, safe, that's okay. Right, it doesn't have to be the finished product. Yep. Yeah. One of my clients asked, "How would you appraise a house that doesn't have a proper foundation?" And I think the answer there is it doesn't have a continuous concrete foundation, pier and post. I know I run into that in. Like Gladstone a lot for some reason. I don't know we why. We looked but at a house in Gladstone with a post and period See? foundation. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. I did not buy that And you house. did not buy it. So, so 
how does that like is it is it kind of like stilts where you have to find other peer and post foundation houses yeah they yeah. exist but the bank's going to say what's the deal with this so um again you have to establish that that it is market accepted um that one if i remember there was some it was horrible yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no was some, it was there was some sloping that uh, gave me some concern yes but it it's, had been it, on the market, off the market, on the market, off the market. Remember? Yeah. Like, and there's always a reason. That's yep. what I tell people. Like, it's not a great deal if it's if if you see that history. There's yep. there's always a reason for that. Um, but yeah, it's now those tend. I, I don't know what you've seen, but the market seems to be a bit more hesitant. I speak from experience. Yeah. Where, well, and I'm hesitant as an agent because because the market is hesitant. Yeah. And I want to sell that house for my client in five years, six years, 20 years, right? Yeah. So I want to at least make sure they know what they're getting, right? right. Like, I want to make sure there's transparency there. But I, I would agree. Um, the house he's rec- he's talking about is Southwest Portland, and I don't know all the details. But it's not in an area that I would tell you that's normal. Whereas Gladstone, I would say, like, we see that more. It's a yeah. little more market accepted right. in Gladstone right. than it is in Southwest Portland. Hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, but it might, not be, it might not be financeable, right? That Like, your appraisal... Would I mean, it be subject to a foundation? Not necessarily. If you can, if you can find that homes in that area have been built on post and peer foundations, and they've been there, I mean, how old's the house? Hundred years. There you go. Yep. I mean, so it's it's got a, a track record of standing up for a hundred years. So um, if you can establish that there is a market, a lot of times what I'll do is say it's as is. It's it's good for me, and have the bank make a decision. You know. Yeah. We. Yeah. We sold a property in Oregon City, and the appraiser told us everything's fine, everything's fine. But the appraiser took, like, I mean, I swear to God, a thousand pictures of this property. Yeah. And the property itself was not really fine if you looked at the pictures. I mean, it was fine, big picture. Right. But there was rot, and there was damage, and there was things like that. Depending and on where you look. So he's like, oh, it's fine for me, but the underwriter, of course, Call called out. it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does depend a little bit, right? And I know that's his job. He's covering his, his self. Um, how about like detached garages? Like if it's a detached building, do you care as much? Because like east side of Portland, we get a lot of like old houses where the garages are really just like bike storage, right? They're kind of falling down old garages. Do you care as much about condition there? Uh, if it's a safety issue, okay. it's a safety yep. issue. Um, that's that's just how it is. So if, if there's a little leak in the built up roof, you know, that's okay. But if it looks like that roof's about to collapse in on someone, that's a different story. Right. Um, so it, it depends so on the situation. But yeah, if it, if it looks like there's a safety issue, then um, it's better safe than sorry on our, our side to call yep. it out. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything as we kind of wrap up our conversation that like would be a good like we talked about you being a neutral third party. We talked about the fact that you're not like you don't have any skin in the game. No. Right? No. You're just really looking at like, hey, the buyer's paying seven hundred thousand. Does the data and comparables support that seven hundred thousand? Right? Are you looking like sometimes people ask me like, well, it only appraised for seven hundred thousand. And I'm like, well, we didn't ask him what it's worth. We are asking, is it worth seven hundred thousand? Do you come in over appraisals ever? Yeah. Sometimes? Yeah. I mean, it, again, it depends on the market and the motivation of the buyer and seller. Sometimes if a sale is not what's called arm's length, that's, you know, if it's yep. a sale between Mom's, family members. Yep, mom selling it or. That's not market value. Yep. You know, so it's, even though it may be selling for 400 I'm going to call it what it is. Got it. I, You're I'm still going to come at six if it's what, that's what it is. Yeah. Yep. I'm not just justifying that number. I, um, I'm just looking at the market and telling you what it's worth, high or low. Yep. Um, but yeah, I've definitely come in high. Um, 
we're, we're, yeah, we're just completely unbiased. The, the numbers there, we do look at it. Like I said, we read the contract, but it's, it's our opinion at the end of the day what we think the property's worth. So, right. Yeah. Yep. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Real Talk. Please remember to like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Jenny, thanks again for having me. Uh, again, this is David Coburn with Taft Appraisal. Uh, we can be found uh, just by Googling Taft Appraisal. Thank you very much.